0: This show brought to you by Circle of Seven Productions, www.cosproductions.com.
1: Please be sure to subscribe and welcome to our circle. Hello everybody, it is Readers Entertainment Radio and I am Patricia W. Fisher here on September 12th. Can you believe it? It's already September, almost halfway through. Uh, just so you know, it is Ovarian Cancer Awareness Month. And um, those of you who have ever followed me know that that's a huge, a huge uh, cause. I hold very near and dear to my heart. And um, the Our Way Forward campaign has the Ovary Act. Going right now, so if you look up ovary uh, Let me go back um, www.ovary-actact.com You can have a ton of really reliable, fabulous information out there For you, for anyone who has ovaries, who's had ovaries Or knows anyone with ovaries It's good information to have and, and know how to advocate for your health And as you all can tell, my dog is absolutely cheering Um, that possibility on uh, for uh, you guys looking up that good information. But in the meantime, we have a fabulous author today. Sue Ann Schaefer is an award-winning author. Uh, Texas born at the height of the Cold War, and she finds it ironic that grade school drills for tornadoes and nuclear war were the same. Hide beneath your desk and kiss your rear end goodbye. Um, She is now a retired family practice physician whose child has Fledged the Nest and Her Pioneer Ancestors Would Travel Her Fuel and, and Fuel Her Imagination. Um, she has two books or two books out, um, one coming out this week, and the um, previous book, A Different Kind of Fire, has won many awards, so I'm super excited to have Sue Ann back on the show today. Welcome, Sue Ann. Hi, how are you, Patricia? I'm good. So last time you came on, um, you had a different kind of fire that had been out, and it was based loosely on your great great grandmother or grandmother's life.
0: Grandmother.
1: Grandmother, um, and she's an, a 19th century artist um, who's basically fighting a lot of um, social expectations of the time. And then now for your newest book, uh, Hunting the Devil, which comes out here shortly. You have pulled um, up to the 1990s and really pulled in a very, I think, big overlooked event in um, in the world's history of things—the Rwandan genocide that happened. Yes. What What brought you to choosing that for your book? Well,
0: um, <laughs> excuse me. Uh, Twenty four years ago, I adopted a black son. And um, he, for some reason, has decided that he's, his, he's proclaimed himself an Oreo, and he's black okay. on the outside, white on the inside. So we went okay. to Africa. We went to Africa together. and I went, you know, because it was on my bucket list of things to do to go on a safari. And he went with some sort of vague expectations of connecting with his family roots or something. And, okay. um, you know, so when we got there, you know, this guy who had been in a predominantly white background it was suddenly surrounded by black, but the black people there considered him white, partly because he's mixed race and partly because he was traveling with a little old white lady. And so he was really struggling there in a way I didn't even realize until we got home and he finally opened up about it a bit. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to take his feelings there and his ambivalence and, and you know, sort of confusion and uh, put it in a, a character somehow. But I didn't want to write specifically about him
1: because sure. I try to
0: keep my family out of, except for my grandmother who's already dead but keep my family out of my work. I don't post him on Facebook, anything like that. Rarely, rarely. Never his pictures. So anyway, I decided to write, since he and I had visited a a clinic that an American doctor had set up not far from the Serengeti. So I decided to write about an, an American physician who's biracial, and who gets caught up in the Rwandan genocide. And so okay. she goes through a great deal to try to find the the uh, man who murdered her children. And okay. so it's sort of an international thriller slash women's fiction about this woman trying to track down the bad guy. And sure. I'll, have a, I'll have a video trailer coming out on Sunday. And you can. it gave me goosebumps when I first saw it. It really personifies the book, and so I hope you guys will take a look at it. So anyway, that's where the book came from. It was like, you know, take his my son's feelings, set them in someone else, and then push her to her limit.
1: When he when you talk to him, did he approach you? Did you approach him? Was it just something that kind of organically came out of a conversation?
0: It sort of organically came about, and I actually had written a um, personal essay, and it was published in Brain Child Magazine, and he read it online and went, oh, mom, that's
1: kind of neat to read
0: about it from someone else's point of view.
1: (laughs) Yeah, sure. Well, I mean, but that's cool that he felt like he could talk to you about it.
0: Yes, and, you know, we've always been pretty open. Obviously, since he's black, it's like, son, you are adopted. And uh, so, anyway, he's been uh, – he's accepted this very well. He hasn't read the book yet, and I'm not sure he ever will. He hasn't read the first one. Sure. So, anyway, you know, it's just, he's one of these uh, young men who, unfortunately, does not read a great deal unless it is Star Wars or Halo and then he'll read any book about it. but I mean he's real limited in his genre
1: yeah I mean you know it's fun to, to see if they people, what they read and how and, and it always evolves I mean I think the the first thing is that they read it all um, and exactly. then you know, I'm, I'm not complaining when you and I <laughs> were at that book signing the other day he actually found some books and was like okay you know I'm not going to complain I'm just going to buy his books Right, right. Uh, I, I know a friend of mine years ago. I was struggling with my daughter. She um, at the time we didn't realize we knew she had some sort of reading dysfluency, and um, uh, so but she would buy a lot of of drawing books, and um, it was really frustrating because I'm like, but this isn't reading per se. Uh, uh-huh. But she would read the instructions on how to to draw things and different like graphic novels and such, and and so my friend was like, but she wants to read, so let her read what she's willing to read. Just fight your battles. <laughs> you can only find right. so many. Yes, um, exactly. and you can build on that. So yeah. Uh, so you've got this book coming out and then you have your previous book that got a lot of um a lot of press and a lot of, of, of Happy Gold Stars, if you want to call them that. But you just recently yeah. found out that a different kind of a different kind of fire won an award. It's uh, a 2019
0: Reader's Favorite Honorable Mention in Women's Fiction, and the cover won wore the cover won uh, the top shelf self-designed fiction cover. So that's not so bad. I did the cover yeah. for this one and my my new one.
1: Okay. Oh, I didn't even know you did the covers. That's wonderful. Yes, all by myself. <laughs> How about that? Well, I mean, so you weren't a, you didn't go straight out of college to um, into medical school, correct? You no. did a different path. And so that brings you to being able to do your covers. What was your background in that?
0: Well, I have a degree, uh, bachelor's science and commercial photography. And I worked as a travel photographer and a medical photographer until I went to medical school at age 39. Uh, wow. Yeah. I, I'd never do it again. <laughs> <laughs> never,
1: I mean, but what was the catalyst that made you? I mean, I know a lot of people do second and third jobs, you know, and, and careers. But, I mean, what made you go from commercial photographer to uh, say, you know, I think I want to go to medical school?
0: Well, a lot of it was just, you know, working with doctors every day doing medical photography and then finally deciding, if these guys can do it, I can do it. Okay. (laughs) Okay. So literally within six weeks, I uh, applied to Bryn Mawr for their pre-medical school Post baccalaureate pre med program in which you do all of your required sciences in one year and a summer, which was as bad as medical school. So you're yeah. taking three or four lab courses a semester. So you have labs every day, and you know, well, it was just insane. And uh, I think, I swear, the only reason I passed biochem is because I can cook and follow a recipe. And these little 19-year-old year, 18 year old kids that were in this class with me had no idea how to mix things up.
1: So, oh, wow.
0: Anyway, so, so I did the year and the summer there and then started medical school. And, of course, you know, I, by then I was 40, and I was in with kids who had, well, you know, every science under the sun. Sure. And, uh, you know, it's, I could tell that when I was doing uh, – um, GI rotations that I hadn't played enough video games because I couldn't work the little thing that went up your rear end or down your throat because I just didn't have oh, that no. Yeah, Wait, I just go. Get it to the end yeah. Of
1: course,
0: and, and of course, I didn't really give you time to sit down and practice and just handed it to you and said, Here, and I'm like, Huh?
1: <laughs> yeah. So it was a, um, you know, one. But, like, well, yeah, it's it's interesting that a lot of people talk about, um, you know, medical school and how difficult, and in the first year of medical school, from my understanding, the way it's set up is the first year is everything that's correct, so I mean, you go over everything and, and normal, everything that's normal, and then the next year is everything that could be wrong, and so then the volume amount that goes significantly higher uh, your second year, and so it's... It's you think you're only studying for let's say 20 hours a week, and I'm just guessing on that number. It, it it's exponentially bigger. So yeah, you know, it could be 40 to 60 because this one lab can mean this 20 different things, and you need to be able to produce those 20 different things at the drop of a hat. Yeah. So and not to be yeah.
0: smelling of uh, formaldehyde for weeks on end as you dissect mm-hmm. your cadaver. I mean, it uh. was just. Wow. It's safe into your skin, and you just can't get rid of it. No matter how much you bathe or how
1: often you wash your clothes, I ended up just throwing away a bunch of clothes. I bet you did. I bet. Now, I mean, bringing all this back to the book, your, your newest book that's coming out, Hunt, um, Hunting the Devil, what, how much of your medical expertise did you bring into this character's life? Um, there's enough medicine
0: to make it realistic, but the main story is her cracking down the bad guy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And she is an obstetrician. And a friend of mine um, who's an obstetrician filled in all the things that I had forgotten since medical school. And uh, sure. so she helped with that. And it takes place on three continents and five countries and it has five different languages. So I had people in Italy and uh, France and Holland all helping me out with
1: languages. Yeah. Well, and, you uh, know, we've, we've talked about this a lot about accuracy, and we've talked about it with regarding not only um, inclusion and diversity, but just accuracy, period. And so you – you know, pulling your resources, basically, and saying, please check this to make sure it's correct. Because uh, we all need that. I I think that that's kind of the beauty of um, having, obviously, a wide scope of friends, but also a wide scope of people who appreciate what you're trying to do and making it as accurate as possible. What right. what were the things that you were surprised that you had forgotten from your OB rotation?
0: Uh, you know, just... Uh like breech births and stuff like that, what is realistic and, and, you know, what this woman had to work with as a physician in a a third world country was like zero. So how is she going to handle breech births things like that? Uh, Even now there are very few um, anesthesiologists and stuff in, in Rwanda, so some of these clinics are limited in the kind of surgeries they can do because they can't provide full anesthesia. Right. So, you know, if wow. you can imagine doing an appendectomy with um, a local anesthesia and something to put them to sleep.
1: Right, but they're not um, out, yeah. like really but out. Yeah, they're not out, not, yeah. <clears throat> and wow. also, I think this is I mean, important. To... Go ahead. Oh, yeah, go ahead. You are just saying it's also important oh. because what? Uh. You know, I have had the experience
0: of raising a biracial son, but I didn't want to step on any toes. So I had uh, two friends of mine from Stanford, one of whom is a physician and one of whom uh, is a professional woman running labs and things like that, laboratories. laboratory. Mm-hmm. And so I had both of these women read through the book, make sure that there was nothing that was, uh, they didn't feel was accurate or, or uh, appropriate. So I owe them a huge debt of gratitude for being my sensitivity readers.
1: Well, I mean, and I think it's it's something that I think a lot of us um, were already kind of doing. Um, there was plenty who weren't, but I, mean, I think it's important to, no matter what genre you're writing, uh, to get it get it right because, yeah, especially absolutely. when it comes to relationships and and even, you know, medical accuracy, um, you wanna make sure because sometimes people are gonna be pulling from that and learning from those things. Um and so, you know, good for you for you know, sticking your guns and making sure it was it was all correct and accurate. Cause, um I, I think we've all had from time to time an editor or critique partner that's like, This isn't right or I don't know why this is in here <laughs> and you're and you're mm-hmm. like because it's supposed to be in there. Um so it's yeah, it's, it's extremely important. So I'm excited about your newest book. Um, but you also have you've you've started working on a third book. Um, and these are all standalones. They're not there's no common link between your books, correct? Correct.
0: I'm not sure I could write a series because I I, 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 I think I have uh slow cycling ADHD or something. <laughs> I just, you know, at, at a certain point, I just burn out, and I don't want anything else to do with this book, especially the Rwanda book, because it was very difficult to emotionally live there for the better part of two years.
1: Yeah, right. And so, and I wanted the, to ask you about, yeah, I, I wanted to ask you, so we all kind of, we have characters or situations that we have to get really into the darkness of it. Um how did you pull yourself out? Because, like you're saying, you can't live there 24-7. So you have this dark spot that you're writing about, and then how do you pull yourself out of it? Um, I,
0: it it's hard to say. It was just such a relief to have the book done. Mm-hmm. I, you know, it, it's not like pulling yourself away from it. It's like running. <laughs> running Helmet's <laughs> a away from it. <laughs> Romeo Dallaire who was the UN commander of the UN forces in Kigali, Rwanda I read his memoir I read just Mm -hmm. tons and tons of first hand reports of what the genocide was like and I I make the point in the book that uh, Tanya Harding and um, got more press than genocide did she and the anti yeah. caregivers little to do in the gym where you know she her the knees got bashed. That got more reporting than the genocide. Yeah. So you know, yeah. a million people were killed versus a kneecapping. Right. I mean, just, you know, yeah. amazed me that there was that sort of uh that the
1: American population was that out of touch with the world events. Was it covered more um, outside the United States that you saw? It
0: was in some places. And um, um, the genocide itself was, it was such an international stick your head in the sand thing and the UN Dallaire thought that he could have prevented all the killings with 5,000 men. And they, the U.N. dropped the forces down to a couple hundred. And so, you know, it just tied this guy's hand completely. And so, you know, because they didn't have – the U.N. didn't have the money to finance the an expedition there. And it was because mm-hmm. the United States had not paid their money – their, you know, donation mm-hmm. to the U.N. And there's, there's so much going on, so many heads stuck in this band. And, you know, it was just, and, <clears throat> you know, I think part of it was that there uh, Rwanda is a little landlocked country. It has no major uh, natural resources that anyone outside of the area could uh, manipulate and mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Used to their advantage, and the entire population is black. hmm. And so I think there's a lot there, a, a lot of you know, like undercover racism there that people just didn't sure. want to know about. Right? And you know, the people were black anyway, and blacks
1: are subhuman, in quotes. Wow. When you when you went on your safari, did you have this book Bacardi- already? Like Brewing just kinda of, not necessarily the the discussion of um the doctor who's the biracial but just a doctor or a woman going and and going to the clinics and or did you was this just something that you you visited the clinics but then later thought that would be the story
0: actually, I had started a Shakespeare novel about a uh, woman working in in the little town in the clinic that I went to. And then I just, you know, realized I really didn't want to waste her character on a shapeshifter novel. Okay. And so I, a lot of what this new doctor is, is based on that, that seed of a an idea. And then I just combined it with my son's emotions and made her biracial. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it did rise out of a number of things.
1: Right. So you made your own recipe. Yes. Just like you did in organic chemistry. See? That's why I you got it in D. Yes. <laughs> so, okay. So this comes out this next week, correct? The it Hunting comes Devil out Sunday, yes. Yes, Sunday. And that's the day that your new book trailer drops. Right. Okay. And then we can see that on Your website, YouTube, Twitter—you'll have it on your social media. Absolutely. Perfect. And so you've got that going, and then now with that starting, you know that's ready to roll. um, You have a new work in progress that's super early in it. Do you want to talk about any of that, or is that still under wraps?
0: Oh no, I can talk about it. I have. First of all, I'm doing the final edits on. Uh, I'm coming back to Texas now from Africa uh, about a Texas blacksmith cowgirl who falls in love with a um, Air Force Base surgeon. And they spend a long time getting together, but they finally have a happy ever after. And that's oh, called yes, Sunday Rain and Ashes. It's sort of women's fiction with a, uh, a healthy dose of romance. And it's the
1: first happy Good. ever after I've ever written. That's cool. I know that, you know, I was laughing we, we've t- we've known each other a while and so I, I we were laughing about how um when you originally had planned to write romances but at the time you were going through a divorce so that wasn't really on your mind. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, but now it's a happily ever after, so that's cool. And and I mean yeah. It it's just a different part of your brain that you're using, and uh, with with the other amazing work you do. Yeah. So, and then the fourth novel
0: I'm just beginning to start. Uh, on Twitter, I think from Women's Art, uh, I saw um, a photograph of a jacket that had been hand embroidered by a woman in an insane asylum in Austria, and it just the it was so poignant and so touching, and I thought, I have to do something with this idea. So I'm thinking yeah. of sort of transplanting it to Texas and having, uh, you know, telling a young girl story of, you know, back in the 1890s, women could be put in institutions just because they were recalcitrant little girls. And, you know, they sure. did not follow their fathers, you know, didn't marry who they wanted him to who he wanted her to or you know, just because she was a wayward girl or whatever, you could be put in a, a mental institution. And so I'm gonna have her father have her committed and then of course she has to get out. And but then while she's there she's gonna embroider a petticoat or something to um preserve her own sanity. Wow. So this is,
1: this is and you're gonna set that time. in the eighteen nineties. Yeah. yeah.
0: So I- I'm reading Nellie Bly's uh, book about, you know, when she committed herself to an insane asylum to see how bad it really was. And um, right. the Snake Pit and other books about what mental institutions were like. And, boy, it's like I don't want to be
1: there very long either. Right. Right. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, it's it's always um... – interesting when you do the research because i think that when you delve into different things it's, it's hard not to go down the rabbit hole of oh i didn't know about that and you know going like oh well let me read about this and then eight hours later you like wait i didn't need any of that um but do you have a, a system to keep yourself from doing that or uh, do you just kind of see where the research takes you um, I sort
0: of know where I'm heading,
1: and once I sort of get the basics down, I only research if
0: I need a fact. But beforehand, I will do a lot of like, like I did with the Rwanda book. Well, even before I went to, I read sixty books before I went to Tanzania, okay. and I studied Wahili. So I'm an over-preparer. <laughs> so anyway, for the the uh, Rwanda book, I read probably thirty books hand okay. account and fiction, and um, even things like um, the birds of Rwanda, because you, know, you need to know how to, if it, you know, the sounds that the woman hears in the world. And also things like, you know, on the night she escapes, is it dark, is it light, when does the moon rise, when does the moon set, things like that. So, sure. you know, there's rabbit holes to go down. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. No, yeah, no, and sometimes I think, another,
1: too, we yeah, we don't even think about which rabbit hole it is until we're like, oh, yeah, I do need that piece of information. Mm-hmm. And, and, right. Yeah. So do you just put a I, – I know we have a mutual friend, uh, Linda Carroll-Brad, who's really, really wonderfully disciplined and good with this. But she will write, and then she's like, oh, I'll need that. And then she just leaves a blank. Like she'll draw a blank on her screen or type it, and then – put like a little note to herself and then she just keeps writing. Um, I can't do that all the time. Are you able to do something like that or do you have to go look it up then or does it, de- does it depend?
0: I will make a note of what I do is use the ampersand, like three ampersands. And then I go through and search and find all the ampersands and they'll tell me I need to fill in the, a blank there. Uh, but um once, yeah, once I have the main story down and, and you know know where I'm heading, I do just sort of I'll draw a blank and leave, or do the ampersand thing, and then I can go back and actually search out the the time that the moon rose and set. But it's not anything I need right now to keep the story going. Well,
1: that's cool. you're you're a better disciplined writer than I, because sometimes it's like no, I have to know right now, you know. <laughs> for whatever reason that is. Um so well thank you so much suanne for coming and talking to us today. Uh for those of you who want to look up suanne online, she is com. That's S U A N N E S C H A F E R author.com. You can also find her on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, um let's see, Google, Pinterest, um, everywhere you too <laughs> we've got you everywhere and her book um, Hunting the Devil is coming out on Sunday so everyone take a get, get that on your uh, pre-orders and uh, be ready to read come Sunday thank you so much for coming on and talking to us today thank you thank you for having me absolutely and we'll talk to you guys next time this show brought to you by Circle of Seven
0: Productions www.cosproductions.com Please be sure to subscribe and welcome to our circle.